Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. All right, let's get a word from our sponsor, Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. So we're actually going to start in verse 13 to get a little bit of a context of our text. And so um, Acts chapter 17, verse 13. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was preached by Paul in Berea, they came there also and stirred up the crowds. Then immediately the brethren sent Paul away to go to the sea, but both Silas and Timothy remained there. So those who conducted Paul brought him to Athens and receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him with all speed, they departed or come to them quickly. Verse 16, now this is going to be our text this morning. Now when Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Therefore he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Then certain Epicureans and Stoic philosophers encountered him. And some said, what does this babbler want to say? Others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, may we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak. For we are bringing, for you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore, we want to know what these things mean. For all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, "Men of Athens, I perceive that you that in all things you are very religious." For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with the inscription, To the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you. God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things." And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth, and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. So they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are his offspring." Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and men's and man's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead." And when he heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, while others said, we'll hear you again on this matter. So Paul departed from among them. However, some men joined him and believed. Among them was Diocinus and, and the Areopagite, a woman named Damaris, and others with them. 
Father, we thank you for the morning and we thank you for the word. And Father, we thank you that you are not the author of confusion. And so, Lord, as we're maybe confused individually or our families or corporately as a church, we just need to turn to your word. And as we read your word from Genesis to Revelation and apply the truths, I believe the confusion will lift. There still will be questions. There still might be debate. But we'll at least have that peace that surpasses understanding, knowing that we're loving you first and we're loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. So Lord, help us to grow in the grace and knowledge of your one and only son, Jesus, and to apply biblical truths to our lives, even in these wicked days. These are wicked days, yet you're God. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. Greater is he who is within us than he who is within the world. So help us, Father, to be more like your son, Jesus, that we might be more like him at the end of this day than we are right now. And Father, I pray for the gift of teaching, that you will be glorified through your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, if you're new or visiting or if you're watching at home, please, if you haven't already, grab a Bible. If you need a Bible, please write to us. We'll be more than happy to send you one. Office at ccofqc.org. More than happy to send you at no conditions. Well, let's look at verses 16 and 17. Now, when Paul waited for them at Athens, waiting for who? Timothy and Silas. His spirit was provoked within him when he saw, notice the action, when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Therefore, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. You see, while Paul was waiting for Silas and Timothy, he did a little sightseeing. Let's do a little touring. And he found himself in the middle of a city that was filled with altars and idols. Altars and idols. And notice in verse 16, his spirit was provoked. Was provoked in the Greek, and you get your books. I'm not a Greek scholar. Get your books. You can figure this out. It means to irritate, to stimulate. To irritate, to stimulate. So these things that we're going through, even in society today, it might irritate us, it might stimulate us to actually get mad about somebody's opinion. Um, You won't find that in the scriptures. You won't find Jesus getting mad and angry and upset at other people's opinions. And we're going to get to some verses, so hang on, because I know right away you're going, well, he cleared the temple. Keep it in context. Keep it in context. You will not find that. You will find rather that we're to show grace and mercy and to agree to disagree, to set up healthy boundaries in relationships, to possibly even separate if we need to because there's some type of abuse going on. That is all scriptural. But to get irritated and angry and have argumentative situations take place out of anger and hatred or despising someone else's opinion is not healthy Christianity at all. So we got to guard our hearts. This is very applicable. I believe, as we look at this situation about Paul, that he knew the truth about God and his love for who? For the Jew. He knew that. He was Jewish. But he also came to know the truth about what? That God's love for the Gentile. Two groups of people. 
And there's still two groups of people that cross our paths every day on this earth. Either the person is a Jew or the person is a Gentile. There's three groups of people, Jews that are going to hell, Gentiles that are going to hell, believers that are going to heaven. There's just three groups of people, guys. That's it. So all this racial tension, you younger saints, all this racial tension, don't buy into it. We'll get into that in a few verses. We already read it. His soul was stimulated, I believe, in the sense of grief or sorrow. He was irritated by the false worship that was taking place. Let's look at Luke chapter 19. Luke 19. I believe the emotions match up with what Jesus did when he came into the outer courts of the temple area. And to keep it in context, in in case you didn't know this, the outer courts of the temple area were called the courts of the Gentiles. And that anyone, anyone from the world, anyone could come to those outer courts to ask questions, why do you serve the God you serve? To the Jews who are allowed to go into the various courts within. But there was a court that everyone was supposed to be able to come to and say, explain to me, why, why do you worship the way you worship? This is the court that they set the marketplace in. So as you read the Bible, it's very easy to take a verse or two out of context and say, well, Jesus got mad. Okay, keep it in context. He didn't just go crazy. He didn't have an emotional breakdown. I'm just going to get these guys out of here because they make me sick. No, he was doing righteous indignation. Righteous indignation. Then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in it, saying to them, it is written, my house is a house of prayer. So it's not going into a city and sectioning off parts of a city and saying, we're going to do this because this is our city now. No, it's everyone's city. We've got to make sure that we keep it in context. This was everyone's temple area that was taken over by the Jews for the making of money. And they basically pushed the Gentiles out. But you have made it a den of thieves. And he was teaching daily in the temple. But the chief priests, the scribes, and the leaders of the people sought to destroy him and were unable to do anything for all the people were very attentive to him. Notice that. For all the people were very attentive to hear him. So back in Acts, in our text, Paul is stirred to the point that he went and addressed the situation, not out of anger, very important for you and I as believers, but out of concern for their souls, which would have been Jesus' concern in Luke, the souls of the Gentiles. Athens by this time was fading in its glory. This was a city that was recognized throughout the known world as a cultural center. It was also a hub for the philosophers to gather and discuss for hours useless information. Sorry if that offends you, but I'm not sorry. Had many discussions, especially with our teenagers. Useless information. Are we in reality? Is this really reality? Well, after I slap you, you know you're in reality, okay? We'll take care of this real quick. Oh, this is on the internet. Sorry, I, I didn't slap. I didn't slap him. Yeah, I did. It's useless information. What are we talking about this stuff for? Let's talk about something that's applicable. Jesus died for your sins. Do you know Jesus as your savior? Let's talk about eternal things because these temporal things, guys, they're all passing. 
It was also this beautiful city of architecture that can be seen to this day. But as we have just read, it was a city that was filled with idolatry, the worship of an image made by man that had absolutely no means of helping anyone. These supposedly intellectually astute people Bring this to today. Bring this to Hollywood. Bring this to Washington, D.C. Bring this to your local government official. They believe that they're intellectually astute and that they know better than everybody else. Had allowed their spiritual enemy to fill their minds with ideas of greatness, yet they were lost. They were lost in their trespasses of sins. Guys, we cannot, we as believers cannot lose this. We are ambassadors for Christ. We are not ambassadors for mask. We are ambassadors for Christ. Mask or no mask, because this will leave. In 1918, they were all wearing masks. 1919, 1920, 21, 22, masks were no longer around. So don't get caught up and lose what you are called, what I am called to do as an ambassador for Christ. Save souls. Save souls. That is our priority. Not to get in arguments about something that is really non-essential. Sounds a lot like, again, the folks of Washington, D.C. and Hollywood. And this is what was grieving Paul. The fact that this city was a city that was full of knowledge but had very little wisdom. Sounds like Seattle. Filled with knowledge, but very little wisdom at this point. Do we see this in our culture today? Our city might not have altars and statues, but what about cars and boats or the entertainment industry? Houses or other items that our society calls necessities when in actuality, society has allowed the spiritual enemy of their souls to void the truth and to bow down to worship those very items. This has even crept into the church, unfortunately. I'm not saying this church, but big church. People are unable to rationalize, or I mean people are able to rationalize their behavior through a form of philosophy. Well, I can live with my girlfriend and we can have sex outside of marriage because we love each other. That's philosophy. You really don't love each other because as soon as you break up, you're going to get over it and then you're going to live with somebody else. That's philosophy. One of Webster's definition of philosophy is this. A search for truth through logical reasoning. Webster, Uncle Webb, was a Bible-believing Christian. Young people, get an 18 Uh, I think it's 1828, I think it is. Uh, Webster's Dictionary. Correct me. What's the date? Anybody know the date exactly? 1828? All right, I got a head shake. Okay, there we go. A search for truth through logical reasoning. Whose logic? Well, if I'm in sin and I want to justify my sin, then it's going to be my logic. And you you don't agree with my logic? Well, that's your problem. It's it's okay for me because that's my logic. Rather than factual observation. You know, a modern day example of this definition could be, I can afford that item. You that are going off to college, be very, very careful getting credit cards in the mail. They want you to sign up for those credit cards. You're an adult now. You deserve a credit card. Don't buy into it. Talk to a mature Christian adult. 
I'll have them put that on a 10-year term instead of a five-year term. I can afford it that way. The facts are most people cannot afford various items and the longer term means more money out of pocket for what? For temporal satisfaction. It appears that the end result of being philosophical hasn't changed too much over the centuries. What about philosophy in Christianity? How about if we look, or I'm going to read this. Why don't you write it down? I'm going to read it out of New Living Translation, Colossians 3.5. Colossians 3.5. So put to death that's the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Colossians 3.5. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. So right there is a verse for sex outside of marriage. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worship the thing, worshiping the things of this world. Notice that. So worship. So do we have idols? Could I have an idol in my life? Absolutely. Absolutely. We have to guard our hearts. Greed is defined as a desire to have more. A desire to have more. Looking at someone else's possessions. And desiring to possess those possessions. You see, Paul would be provoked over what I would call American idolatry today. So what does Paul do? He does what he does best. He goes to the synagogue, notice there. Therefore he reasoned in the synagogue, in verse 17, with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers. He went to the synagogue. And he reasoned. Talk over thoroughly. Talk over thoroughly. That's what that word reason means. Talk over thoroughly. And what did he talk over thoroughly with them? The scriptures. The scriptures. He went to the word of God and not through his own argumentation. He also goes to the marketplace or the agora there to talk about the Lord Jesus and his resurrection power. And the agora was that place where anyone, especially philosophers, would gather to discuss newer old thoughts or ideas. Therefore, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the Gentile worshipers. And in the marketplace, daily, notice that, daily, with those who happened to be there. Then certain Epicureans. The Epicureans were those who believed that life was to be based on pleasure. Very important as we read the Bible, you want to take time and look some of these things up, and can we apply that to today? The Epicureans were those who believed that life was based on pleasure. I like sports, but it is not my life. No football season this year is going to drive many Americans to drinking. Literally. Now, if you guys know this or not, but there have been more suicides now in California than COVID deaths. Since January 1st, there are now more suicides have been completed in California than COVID deaths. This whole situation is driving people to despair, no hope. What do we have? Mask or no mask, what do we have? A living hope. Don't get sidetracked from that, guys. That's what the enemy wants you to do. Get sidetracked and get into the argument. Forget your living hope. Get into the hope of the mask or the hope of the government or the hope of the next check or the hope of defunding the police or the hope of having police. Whatever argument he can get us wound up in, that's what the enemy wants to do. State the facts, go back to the Bible. We, we are sinners and left to ourselves, we will kill each other. That's a biblical truth. We need control. That's a biblical truth. That's just reality. 
just keep going back to the facts. So Epicureans, they didn't believe in a deity or the afterlife, but rather that this was all there was to life. In other words, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. Just enjoy everything you can. There was not a moral system per se, but rather self-gratification, even if it meant harming someone else. And Stoic philosophers. So the Stoics, on the other hand, were those who believed in a deity or higher power that somehow gave man a moral code. And so reason was the guide with the Stoics. He could follow proper reasoning. Uh, He who could follow proper reasoning was becoming perfect and self-sufficient. This obviously brought about a very deep sense of pride. So these two groups... Could each be given a one-word mission statement? Enjoy for the Epicureans versus endure for the Stoics. And if you think about the world today, those are the same two groups we have today. Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow you die. Do whatever, do whatever. If it's consenting adults, just do whatever you want to do. You're not hurting anybody because it's consenting adults. No, you're hurting people. Or let's try to be so religious that we don't break any laws, God's or man's, and we'll build up righteousness, but it's really self-righteousness. Same two groups today. They just don't fall under these names per se, but it's the exact same thing. I, could think that, I, I think that we could see these two groups quite active in our world even today, those who are going around after all the pleasure they can get and those who want self-righteousness. But notice what Paul talked to them about. Notice in verse 18, He seemed to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them Jesus was a Republican and you need to vote in 32 AD. Oh, no. (laughs) Bring it to reality. Sometimes you got to put something silly in there to wake yourself up. That's not what Paul was arguing about. Are you a Republican or a Democrat? No, are you a believer or an unbeliever? Do you know Jesus or you don't know Jesus? Because there's a heaven and there's a hell. That's what Paul's concern was here. Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, may we know what this new doctrine, notice that, new doctrine, we haven't heard of this before, what this new doctrine is of which you speak. So notice as he spoke of Jesus and the resurrection, it perked curiosity. As you maybe come up with your own face mask design or whatever it might be, when people read it, they might not ask you, but they're going to walk away. As you walk away, I can guarantee you, in their mind, they're going to be thinking, guy's a Jesus freak, he's a weirdo, he's a wacko. Or they might just think, wow, who is my hope? That's, that's kind of an interesting question. Who is my hope? And then they'll get back to their business at break time. It might come back in. Because the Holy Spirit is doing what? The Holy Spirit is wooing all of mankind to the cross. And as you and I plant those little seeds, the Holy Spirit throughout the day is going to throw those back into that person's mind. Oh yeah, that whack out with that mask. Yeah, that wacky guy. Jesus is his only, wow. Why would he wear that? For you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Wherefore, we want to know what these things mean. For all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear of some new thing. Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. Notice he didn't attack them. 
He didn't attack them so the walls would immediately go up. Okay, we're done. We don't want to hear you anymore. He actually complimented them. You know, you're really religious. I can see you're really religious. Oh, oh, he's noticed. We're smart people. Yeah, he's noticed. Okay. All right, let's listen to what he has to say. You see, they brought Paul before a council of men who had authority over those who brought their ideas to the area. The Athenians were very superstitious and religious. Sounds like Americans. So this council wanted to know what was being brought into their city from this stranger named Paul. So they brought him to Mars Hill, which is located just west of an elevated hill called the Acropolis, where the Parthenon is located to this day. Paul was not put on trial, but rather before a council to present his ideas. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, so as we go through our lives and we can look around and consider the objects of our worship, whatever that might be in our house or outside our house, without knowing him, I proclaim to you, God, So what does Paul do? Paul goes back to the very beginning. The very beginning. If you can believe in the first 10 words of Genesis, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If you can believe the first 10 words in Genesis 1-1, the rest of the Bible is, oh, he parted the seas. What's so hard about that? Oh, he rose somebody from the dead. What's so hard about that? Oh, you believe in Noah? Uh, Well, if God spoke everything in the being, yes, I believe in Noah. Oh, you believe in Lot? Uh, yeah, yeah. Just Genesis 1-1. This is not that hard. I, I don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure this out. Just keep going back to the simplistic. So Paul starts out, Met God who made the earth and everything in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth. Notice that. Very important for you and I as we're going down this strange road that we're all going down. It's strange for all of us, guys. There's not one person in this room that doesn't feel uncomfortable. We all feel uncomfortable. We just got it. The elephant in the room is, we're all uncomfortable with what's going on. How do we get over it? Stay in the word of God. Keep loving God. Keep loving other people. The rest will take care of itself. Very, very important. But he is the Lord of heaven and earth. So if we really believe that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is God, then there's a plan behind what we're going through. There is a plan does not dwell in temples made with hands. Let's look at 1 Kings chapter 8. 1 Kings chapter 8. And as you're turning there, I'm going to read it again. What did, John, John, uh, what did Paul say? God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Now here's Solomon, King Solomon. He has now built the temple it's inauguration day, worship is taking place. The masses are now have now come to the Temple Mount area, which is the Temple Mount area of today in Jerusalem. And he says this in 1 Kings 8:27, Solomon praying to heaven and the people listening. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, the heaven heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you. The first heaven is everything within our atmosphere. In case you're not familiar with it, it is not the three heavens of Mormonism. The first heaven is everything within our atmosphere. The second heaven is everything outside our atmosphere. Everything outside of our atmosphere. And the third heaven is the new Jerusalem, heaven itself. 
where God the Father, Jesus, and all the saints who have gone before us now reside. Three heavens. It's that simple, but it's very important that you know that. How much less this temple which I have built. Yet regard the prayer of your servant and his supplication. O Lord my God, and listen to the cry and prayer which your servant is praying before you today that your eyes may be open towards this temple night and day, towards the place of which you said, my name shall be there. So that's why as you read the Bible, like in Daniel, he opened his windows and he prayed facing Jerusalem. It's kind of like Muslims when they go on the Temple Mount. Jerusalem is not mentioned in the Quran, not once. They don't pray towards Jerusalem. They face Mecca. They face their most holy site. So that's the idea here. God, you're over in Mecca. God, you're in Jerusalem. No. God doesn't dwell in a building. For us today, because of the word of God, we know that God dwells within us. And yes, we have buildings to meet, out of communion, so forth and so on. But when you leave, God isn't stuck here. Oh, I need to go back to Calvary to talk to God. You all know that. But maybe somebody's watching that doesn't know that. You can pray right where we're at this morning to receive Jesus as your savior. And he will become your savior. You said, my name shall be there that you may hear the prayer which your servant makes towards this place. Back in Acts 17.25, Paul continues to say, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything. Since he gives, you know, they would make silver and gold, idols and silver and gold, and then they would bow down to worship the very thing that they just made. Since he gives to all, notice this, he gives to all life, breath, and all things. Very important for you and I. The next, next thing that Paul points out is the fact that God doesn't need our worship, but rather that we should worship God because he is the one who gives us life and blessings in this life. And again, if you're here this morning and you're still battling fear of the virus, I know that's a reality. If you're watching right now and you're fearing, I encourage us to have a healthy fear And that's why I'm going to follow the mandate of the government and and will wear a mask out of a healthy fear that I could infect somebody as asymptomatic. And in case you don't know it, again, a little bit of research, you'll find this out yourself. 50% of people that have the virus have little to no effects. And so you could have it, you could be passing it on, and it might affect somebody, it might not. So, okay, all right, let's just be mature and this is what we're going to do. Do it for 30 days, see what happens. But God is ultimately the one who takes people home, guys. They died of COVID complications. No, God took them. God took them. It was their exact second to die. Nobody gets out early. If you believe that God is all-knowing and all-powerful, if you don't, then you're not gonna agree with me. But the word of God says that God's all-powerful and that God literally holds our very breath, that God knows the number of our days. So I don't need to second guess God. Now, I'm not going to be foolish and jump off a bridge. Oh, I can, I'll be okay. No, 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 no. Don't test the Lord your God. But at the same time, don't doubt God. God knows what he's doing. Everyone's getting out of here right on time. James 1 says this, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. And he has made one blood every nation of men. Now I have this, I have that last part of 25 highlighted in my Bible. I encourage you to highlight your Bible. And I have 26 highlighted in the first part here. Should there be racial tension? 
in our community? You all know the answer. Here's the verse. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. Notice that. On all the face of the earth. So you can label yourself whatever you want to label yourself. Well, I'm, I'm Hispanic or uh, I'm Swiss or I'm German or I'm this, I'm that. No, you're not. You're a human being. And we come from Adam and Eve. That's it. Here's a verse. To men to dwell on the, all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, and I have this highlighted, though he's not far from each one of us. For in him we move and have our being. Notice it does not say in the second amendment of our constitution or in the first amendment of our constitution. This is not about the United States Constitution. This is about you are a believer in Jesus Christ. You are an ambassador for Christ. You have a new citizenship. Do a study on citizenship. You have a new citizenship. Your passport says heaven bound. And yes, as we're doing, we're going to respect the laws of the land, but I'm not going to argue about them unless they take away my Bible. Now I'm going to have an argument, and I will. I will argue. I will die for this. For the other things, no, no, not going to do that. Just going to be the best witness I can be with what time I have left. For in him we move and live and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said. So notice what Paul does. He reminds them they didn't even understand it. For we are also his offspring. One of their own poets said, you're one of our offspring, but yet we have all of these idols. But we come from one offspring. Paul is taking them to the word of God. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, now he drives home the point. Your poets say this. Well, let me tell you who it is. We ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. And if you're not familiar with the word repent, repent means to acknowledge that there is sin. And I know most churches don't talk about sin anymore, but there is sin. Sin is missing the mark of God's perfection. If you can acknowledge that you're a sinner, I've sinned, which means I need a savior. I'm going to turn. That's what repent means. I've now turned to God. I've repented and I'm asking God to save me. That's what that means. So Paul is saying you need to repent because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. And this is not with Joseph Smith at his side or Allah by his side. Jesus, as you read your Bible, God gives all judgment to Jesus. Every single person will stand before Jesus. By what? By righteousness. He was fully human. He was fully righteous. He never sinned once. By the man whom he has ordained, he has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. And when they heard the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, while others said, we'll hear you again on this matter. So Paul departed from among them. However, some men joined him and believed. Among them was Diocinus, the Areopagite, a woman named Damaris, and others with them. Well, let's look at some verses. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians 5, 9, and 10. Judgment. Judgment. 
Thank God that he has a specific day in store for judgment because this world will not continue as it has but will one day come to an end and all of humanity will be judged. For the believer, 2 Corinthians 5, 9 and 10 as the music team comes up. Therefore we make it our aim whether present or absent to be well pleasing to him for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Well, what does that mean? Well, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15. 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15. And if you're new or visiting or if you're watching on the, the internet, the team does a great job with slides. That will, the little white cross is where you will find it. 66 books of the Bible. It's where you'll find it in your Bible. Make sure that you're opening your Bible. 1 Corinthians 3.11, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So question for us believers this morning in this room. You don't have to raise your hands because I know pretty much the answer, but for those who are watching as well, do you have Jesus as your Savior? Most of you in this room are going to say, yes, we do. Okay, then he's the foundation. He's the foundation. How are you building the house, your spiritual house? How are you allowing the Holy Spirit to transform you to build up that protective hedge? Now, if anyone builds on this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day. Notice capital D. That's the day of judgment will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. So as believers, we are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I personally believe in Revelation, this has nothing, this has absolutely nothing to do with purgatory. I was raised and they use this verse. It's like, <laughs> you're taking it totally out of context. There's nothing to do with purgatory. If you read Revelation, the Lord's eyes are as a flame of fire. And now if you're a parent, you might be able to write this. If you're not, you probably don't. But when your children were little and they came and they lied to you, you could look at them and they would melt because they knew they were lying and they knew that you knew they were lying. It was, and you might have even heard, you, you don't look at me like that. You're like piercing me. Yeah, that's God. God's going to pierce through all the nonsense and he's going to go right to the heart of the matter. And what is that all about? If anyone's work which he has built on endures, it will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. So gold, silver, precious stones, they don't burn. They hay, the wood, the hay, and the straw, they do. But he himself will be saved, yet so is through fire. How about Revelation 20? So we have believers, unbelievers. So as believers, we will never stand before the white throne judgment seat of God. I personally believe that when I die, I'm going to receive my rewards. I'm going to receive my brand new body. I'm going to be judged immediately. Um, Again, I wouldn't argue it. I'm not dogmatic about it, but that's just what I believe. But we are going to be judged for sure. That's a fact. Unbelievers in Revelation 20, so anyone who does not have Jesus as their Savior, and I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. So these are the spiritual dead. And books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works. Notice this by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, the death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. 
Then death and Hades were cast in a lake of fire. This is the second death. First death is physical death. Second death is spiritual death, spiritual separation from God. And anyone not found written in the book of life, the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So for us in this room this morning, for those of you who are listening, for someone who might be listening to this CD years from now, you need Jesus as your savior. There is a heaven, there is a hell. Jesus came to die for you. He rose again. He is seated at the right hand of God the Father. You will stand before him either for rewards and entering into heaven or for separation and being sent to hell. The choice is yours. Make sure you make the right choice. You only have one opportunity, this life. Father, we thank you and praise you for this time. And again, Lord, we need your heavenly wisdom. We got lots of earthly wisdom for the last six months. Well, last four months, we've heard a lot of earthly wisdom. And sure enough, it just keeps conflicting and contradicting itself. That's why they have practice after their name. They're practicing. So Lord, as we know the truth and we're trying to figure it out ourselves and we're practicing ourselves, we do know the absolute truth. That we receive Jesus as our Savior. And to be absent from this body is to be present with you. We have no fear. Death has no reign over us any longer. But Father, we live in a world where there are billions of people still afraid. And they're not just afraid about getting sick, because we all get sick. They're afraid of dying from this current virus. So Father, as we go about our business... Help us to keep that in our minds to maybe relieve those fears and speaking to them of Jesus. Help us to remember, Father, that we're ambassadors for Christ, that our citizenship is in heaven and that we are marching in that direction even right now. Every minute we are marching towards heaven and there are many more who are marching towards hell. Help us to not get caught up in arguments, Democrat, Republican, black, white, Hispanic, Mexican, whatever it might be, Father. Male, female, gender, all of these things, Father, to get our eyes off of our ambassadorship. We know the truth. The Word tells us one male, one female. Father, we just stand upon your truth and help us to speak the truth in love to those who cross our paths this week. Father, we pray for anyone in this room or watching right now, if they do not know Jesus as their Savior, Father, we pray that they would ask Jesus to become their Savior this morning. As they're listening to this CD, they would stop and they would ask Jesus to become their Savior. That they might have peace with you for all of eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, guys. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit Calvary Queen Creek 
www.thepurpleshow.org.